The games are getting tighter and the number of days left in the regular season are getting smaller. Who is in the driver's seat to win a Big 12 title this year? We are breaking it all down today and it starts right now. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, friends. It is February 20th, 2023. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at The Next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Missy Heydrich and be sure to follow The Next at The Next Hoops and this podcast at Locked On WBB. And then you have to absolutely take yourself over to our website, www.thenexthoops.com, for all of the women's basketball coverage you can get. The Big 12 Conference was making headlines last week as there seemed to be a resolution to the conference realignment storm that brewed in 2021, and we knew there would be a ripple effect on women's basketball. This 22-23 Big 12 race has all sorts of storylines. New coaches, new faces on the floor. Who's going to be the team to unseat Baylor from their phenomenal run of 12 straight regular season titles? And who's in the lead for Big 12 Player and Coach of the Year? We're going to break it all down today. Yesterday was the Daytona 500, and I feel like the Big 12 season is a lot like NASCAR. you got to drive fast. You've got to avoid the crash and burn moments and put yourself square in the driver's seat to win a title. Let's... Take a step back. We go back to July of 2021, and that was when the true first ripple went through the Big 12 and Big 12 country, when Oklahoma and Texas, out of the blue, announced that they were joining the SEC. It really did put the Big 12 and everybody within its ranks back on their heels, trying to figure out what would happen next. But give credit to the conference. They went on the, the they went proactive. They won on, went on the offensive and decided that they were going to not only hold the Big 12, the remaining eight teams together, or excuse me, institutions together, but that they were also going to find four others to join. And they did that. And it does continue to expand the footprint of what the Big 12 is going to look like in the future. Joining them in July of 2023, BYU, Central Florida, Houston, and Cincinnati. But one of the biggest conundrums in this entire process for the Big 12 has been the exit of Oklahoma and Texas. It wasn't supposed to happen until 2025. Would it happen sooner? How many years would the Big 12 play with 14 teams in their athletic events. What would that exit look like? Could it happen sooner? What was going to happen? Well, all of those questions really landed square in the lap of the new commissioner, Brett Yormark. He started July of 2022, and that was one of the biggest questions that he's had to tackle from the get-go. But give credit to the commissioner because he has always said is that whatever was to happen, if there was going to be an early exit by Oklahoma and Texas, it would only be to the benefit of the current members and to the Big 12 Conference. They would not take anything that would move them backwards. It would only be in a positive direction. So now we fast forward February 9th and the Big 12 Conference announces that it had agreed in principle with Oklahoma and Texas for them to leave the league following the 23-24 athletic year, one year earlier than originally had been discussed and announced. 
the largest sticking point has always been the financial compensation, which was finally agreed upon with all of the parties. While it's still subject to approval, and I'm sure getting closer now that we are a week or so out of this press release, the compensation to the Big 12 for the early withdrawals of the two schools totals $100 million in foregone distributable revenues to Oklahoma and Texas. And as the commissioner said, and I, I go back, I give them credit because I think they stuck to their guns. It seemed as though the Big 12 really held all the cards in this hand. They were the ones that were going to be able to dictate really what happened if if the SEC exit or if the exit of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC was going to happen. And this is what he said in that release statement, quote, as I have consistently stated, the conference would only agree to an early withdrawal if it was in our best interest for Oklahoma and Texas to depart prior to June 30, 2025. By reaching this agreement, we are now able to accelerate our new beginning as a 12-team league and move forward in earnest with our initiatives and future planning, end quote. It seems as though there's been a resolution. Next year will be a little bit dicey because there will be 14 teams in this league. But then you head to the 23 to the 24 athletic year, 24-25, and it will be back to the original moniker of this league, 12 teams. And what does that mean for women's basketball? Well, I think one of the things we've talked about many times has been about an expansion of geography, both for eyeballs that watch these teams on television. You stretch across different time zones. It really does open up what you can do, but it also gives you different geographical pockets for recruiting. If I'm some of these coaches within the Big 12, it expands that. How will it change for Texas and Oklahoma? Well, it's going to be the challenge of going to the SEC, one of the top tier leagues in the nation, the number one team in the country, obviously in the SEC. It is not going to be an easy path. It would also change, I think, some of the traditional rivalries that we have seen. Will Oklahoma and Oklahoma State continue to play in Bedlam after the 23-24 athletic year? To be determined, more than likely not. So we know that this has been about dollars, that it's in the discussion by Oklahoma and Texas that this was about revenue and it was about exposure. I believe women's basketball will get that exposure. What the revenue component will be to be determined. How will that exposure help their programs? That is still be to be determined as well. I think there's a lot of question marks, but for the Big 12, I think they feel as though they are absolutely on good footing with the possibility of other things that could come down, down the line. But those four teams, BYU, Central Florida, Houston and Cincinnati, those four institutions joined the Big 12 in July of 2023, 14 teams for one year, but a very different look after that. So as we fast forward now, here we are, mid-February. What does the Big 12 women's basketball race look like? Well, I think it is a lot like NASCAR. It is a lot of dodging and weaving and trying not to get tripped up, trying to put yourself in the best position of having to win at home, but maybe sealing a few on the road. Now, the Big 12 is a little bit unique. Unlike other leagues, there's two weeks left of the regular season. A lot of conferences will be finishing their regular seasons this week, and then they will head to postseason. The Big 12 Conference Tournament does not occur until March 9th. It's March 9th through the 12th in Kansas City. The finals are actually on Sunday, March 12th, which is Selection Sunday. So there's more time left, more games to be played in the regular season. And now we've got to talk about the teams, the two teams that I think really are in that driver's seat, and that is Oklahoma and Texas. This week's poll just dropped a few minutes ago. You've got Oklahoma in at number 13 and Texas in at number 19. They both are 12 and 3 overall, 
21 and 7 for Texas, 22 and 4 for Oklahoma. Now, circle on your calendar. Sunday, February, no, excuse me, circle on your calendar. Saturday, February 25th. That's when these two teams will play. Texas will go to Norman, Oklahoma, and play the Sooners. That will really be, I think, unless they get tripped up before that, that will be the game that could decide the Big 12 title. But you have to look at these two teams and what they are able to do on the floor. You've got Oklahoma, who leads the Big 12 throughout the course of the season and in conference play and scoring 86.7 points per game. But it is Texas with the top defense in the in the Big 12, giving up just a little under 60 points a game at 58.3 on the year. So this is going to be about offense versus defense, but there have been moments where we've seen Texas be able to score the basketball in big chunks, whether or not they can do that against Oklahoma, whether or not they can find that factor, that is going to be the next case. But you go back yesterday, Oklahoma, both of these teams played and really I thought past tests that were going to be important for them. It was Oklahoma going on the road to Kansas. This is a Kansas team who has been, has dropped a little bit. They got back to the NCAA tournament a year ago. We'll talk about them a little bit more. Are they sitting on the bubble? What is their prognostication moving forward for this year's NCAA tournament? Well, a win against Oklahoma, a ranked Oklahoma team, would have been a big feather in the cap. They couldn't get it done. This Oklahoma team, they at 86-80, they get the win on the road. They go 10 of 21 from behind the three-point line, shot just under 50% for the entire game. So, a trouble by Kansas to be able to get this Oklahoma offense stopped as most people have been able to do. The biggest question about Oklahoma is whether or not they can stop people. We know that they can score. It's the system that Jenny Baranchek has set up for them that they were able to move and cut and find open players. And it is balanced scoring 15 points from Liz Scott, 18 from Ana Yanusa, 11 from Taylor Robertson. Maddie Williams goes for 23 and five rebounds. She also had five steals, but this is one mark that you You've got to take note of if in a close game on the road, what does Oklahoma get a lift from their bench? 19 points for the Oklahoma bench, zero for Kansas. 12 of those came from the transfer Aubrey Jones. She comes in off the bench and knocks down a couple big threes, especially in the second half. Oklahoma escapes. They get out of Lawrence with a win and continue their drive and now sit themselves again at the top of the league still at 12 and three. Texas, they were hosting West Virginia. Now, West Virginia, when you look at the numbers, they are second in the league in team defense. That's how the Mountaineers have been beating teams all season long with their defense. Could Texas survive? Could they give themselves an opportunity at home? Absolutely did it. And they just put their foot on the gas and never let up. 74-48, they get the win. 32 points in the post. That point paints a big difference. Three players in double figures, including Shaley Gonzalez. She leaves the way with 18. Rory Harmon, who's leading the league in assists. She's got 16 points and six assists. But again, it was the defense. You thought it would be a defensive struggle between the two, but West Virginia absolutely struggled to score the basketball. They shoot just 27% from the field for the game. 15 of 56 
six of 21 from behind the three-point line. So Texas's defense came to play and, again, put themselves doing exactly what they had to do. A lot of question marks about Texas earlier this year. They dropped dropped some games, weren't necessarily playing together. They had injury issues. You had Rory Harmon who missed some games. And then the Leah Moore goes down with an ACL injury, is out for the season. How did they respond? Well, I think this Texas team is really starting to find their groove. And if you go back a year and you look at what Texas did this time last year, And the momentum that they had to go and win a Big 12 tournament title in Kansas City. Can they do that again? Absolutely. If they continue this upward trajectory and are in a fight for a regular season Big 12 title. All right. When we come back, a breakdown of the teams and games coming up that can still shape the last two weeks of the regular season in the Big 12. But first, a message from our friends at Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Well, I would have to say that my Nissan's most electric player of the week has to be Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. In last night's all NBA All-Star game, he goes for 55 points, is named the MVP, and sets a all-star game scoring record. Just one of the most dynamic players, I think, in the NBA. He is electric. He's fierce. He makes plays not only for himself or his teammates. And when he found the groove yesterday in that all-star game, there was no one that was going to stop Jason Tatum. He gets my vote. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. It is coming. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. We are breaking down what's going on in the Big 12 Conference. Well, we know that there's been a lot of conversation about Texas and Oklahoma the exit that they're going to be having as complete institutions from the big 12 after the 23, 24 season. But now this year, right now, Oklahoma and Texas vying, putting themselves in the driver's seat and vying for a regular season, big 12 title, both sitting at 12 and three. And they've got a huge matchup coming up on Saturday, February 25th. But we have to start talking about a couple of these other programs and the other teams right now who have been making a splash in the Big 12. I think it's incredibly important to talk about the Iowa State Cyclones. You have to think about what they were able to do over the course of the last couple weeks. Now, they had stubbed their toes. They were able to stop a three-game skid. Two huge wins last week. They beat Texas 66-61 to and then put themselves back in the hunt, I think, for possibly a top 16 seed overall in the NCAA tournament, but at least giving yourself a chance to be in that upper top four when it comes to seeding for the Big 12 tournament with a huge win, 81-77 in over double overtime at Baylor. And that really talks, it tells us a lot about this Baylor team, and we'll speak to them in a moment. But my hat goes off to this Iowa State team. They lost Stephanie Suarez in the first regular season Big 12 game in early January. And it really changed what was going to happen, I think, with this Iowa State team from a multitude of perspectives. She was just the kind of player that gave them so many different looks and, and, and so many different options. Open the floor for a player like Ashley Jones and Lexi Donarski. 
and really was that one piece of the puzzle that they maybe didn't have a year ago, along with Danae Fritz, who missed time last season and sat out because of injury. She is back this year and giving them absolutely a scoring punch. But without Suarez, it really changed. Changed how teams defend and how teams attack this Iowa State squad. You fast forward now to mid-February. Bill Finley gets his 750th career win with that W against Texas early this last week. Hats off to Coach Finley, one of my favorite people in the entire women's game, um, one of the best coaches I, and people I think out there, but get 750 career wins. And that was one of two conference games on Saturday, the tw- on Saturday, February 18th, that went to at least double overtime. Now let's talk a little bit about this Baylor team. It has been a skid, and Baylor is on a skid themselves. Um, they've got work to do now. What does it look like for Baylor? Well, now that on Wednesday, February 22nd, they've got to go to TCU. Well, that TCU team just got their first conference win of the season. It was looking as though TCU may actually go over in the Big 12 this year, but they were able to regroup. They shot the ball incredibly well, got themselves on a roll, and beat a Kansas State team at home on Saturday, 75-62. to So now Baylor, who themselves has been on a skin, who's really kind of a bit out of sorts, it feels both on offense and defense, they've been shorthanded. Uh, they've gotten themselves into foul trouble with a much shorter bench. It's tougher for Nikki Collins. She's got a lot of pieces of the puzzle that she's got to move around. Well, now Baylor's got to go to TCU on Wednesday, February 22nd. That is absolutely a game they have got to win. They've got to put themselves back in the W column. They sit in all of the prognostications as into the NCAA tournament, but As we know, that's the full body of work, not just your net ranking, but the full body of work and especially the last 10 games that the committee is going to look hard at. Can this Baylor team rebound? They absolutely are going to have to find out and they're going to have to do it Wednesday when they go on the road to TCU. The other game that went into a double overtime, at least double overtime, but it's actually a triple overtime win by Oklahoma State at Texas Tech, 92-80. Now, this Oklahoma State team right now might be the biggest surprise this year in the Big 12. 19-7, First year head coach at Oklahoma State, J.C. Hoyt. How has she done it? Well, I think it's a new reset of culture and energy. You can see it when her team plays. They play with a lot of intensity, especially on the defensive end. Not afraid to get after people. But when necessary, they want to play fast. And that they play fast, and I think they play smart. And that's one of the things that's a big difference maker. You can play fast and try to get up and down, but you've got to be able to make good decisions with the basketball. As the season has gone on, they weren't tested a lot early in their non-con, but as this season has gone on, they've picked up wins. They found ways to win on the road, and they have absolutely been able to get themselves some Ws at home. They go to Lubbock. They win in triple overtime, 92-80. to and a huge W for them, 28 points for Nene Alnadis, 28 points, five boards, three assists. They also got 17 points from Claire Chastain, Lexi Keys, a guard back from a year ago. She gives them 16 points and six rebounds, four assists, 10 points from Taylor Collins, one of the best and most explosive rebounders in the Big 12. Those are two, she and Lexi Keys, two players back from a year ago, but a lot of new faces for Oklahoma State, and that has been the difference maker. Texas Tech falls to 16-11, and 4-10 in Big 12 play. 
as we look at it, some of it is about a bubble watch. We mentioned West Virginia. They did not help themselves out with that 74 to 50, 48 loss at Texas over the weekend. They've really been kind of on the outside looking in as we think about the field of 68 and the NCAA bracket. And I think that continues. This Oklahoma State team, absolutely in the hunt. However, they cannot afford to slip up. And I think that's one of the things as we say, you got to drive fast, you've got to avoid the crashes. And if I'm Oklahoma State, that's got to be their message over the course of the next two weeks to finish out this regular season. Avoid the crashes. Give yourselves an opportunity. Their next test is Wednesday the 22nd. Iowa State comes to town to Stillwater. That will be a big game for both of these teams. Then their next matchup is Sunday the 26th. They travel to Kansas, and then they will be at West Virginia on March 1st, and they will finish the season. Saturday, March 4th, regular season will be Bedlam. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. And depending on how Oklahoma finishes up until that point, that could be a Big 12 title on the line for the Oklahoma Sooners as they have to go into their rival for Bedlam. So mark your calendar on Saturday, March 4th. That's going to be a big one regardless. But this Oklahoma State team, I absolutely believe they control their own destiny. We talked a little bit about Baylor. They've got work to do. I think Kansas as well has some work to do. They now are 6-8 and eight in this league. They are just 16-9 and nine overall. It has been a slip. It has been some tough losses that they've had. They've dealt with some injuries, some players that have been out. But the balance that they get from some of those players and how can you make that move, I think this is an important last two weeks for Brandon Schneider and his team. Can they rebound with that loss that they had at home to Oklahoma their next opportunity comes on Wednesday. They travel to Manhattan, Kansas, Wednesday, February 22nd. That is the Sunflower Showdown, Kansas at Kansas State. All right, when we come back, it's time to talk about who is in the running for the Big 12 Player of the Year and Coach of the Year. A couple names that may or may not surprise you whatsoever, so we shall see. But first, a message from our friends at Built Bar. So if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try Built Bar. We all just have been through the holiday season a, few, a month or so ago, and we all have those goals to be a little bit healthier and to eat a little bit better, and it can be hard, and you don't want to compromise taste, so that's why you've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. And seriously, they're delicious. You won't even know that they're good for you. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, which I absolutely love. I'm not sure how they do it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. That's what's even better is that they are actually healthy for you. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. Before, we've been talking about you had to order the Built Bars from Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. So head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars, and you can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or the coconut puffs. And if you're closer to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of our hit flavors. You can thank me later. Hi, everyone. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at The Next. And we've been talking about all things Big 12 women's basketball. Who's hot? Who's not? Who's in control of their own destiny? There's six teams that have been part of the watch of possibility of getting into this year's NCAA tournament. 
What will that look like in a couple weeks? Hard to tell, but we all know that really each one of these teams do control their own destiny. It's how you avoid the pitfalls. It's how you avoid the crash and burn. You can't trip yourself up over the course of the last couple weeks. If I'm Oklahoma State, that absolutely is important. If you're Baylor, you've lost four in a row. You've got four games left. You've got to get back on track. If you're Kansas, you just dropped a heartbreaker at home couldn't beat a rank Oklahoma team who sits at top of the league. Can you turn it around and get a W and sweep Kansas State at home, excuse me, in Manhattan on Wednesday? These are all the question marks that are still part of what the Big 12 regular season is coming down to. Two weeks left, different than all of the other leagues around the country. And then their postseason tournament begins the 9th, the 9th through the 12th of March. And actually the finals are the afternoon of Selection Sunday. So one of the big questions that always comes up is everyone wants to talk about who's in the running, who's in the running for all of these postseason awards that we see. What is it going to look like? Well, I think if you were going to look at some of the numbers and think about who are the players that are having some of the most impact for their team. I think it really comes down to just a few names and a few outstanding players. First and foremost, I think in my mind, if I, my vote for big 12 player of the year would go to Ashley Jones. She was the preseason big 12 player of the year as selected. And I think as because she leads the league in scoring, she's third in rebounding. She averages almost 35 minutes a game this season. Ashley Jones coming back for her fifth year at Iowa state to play with those, the young women that have been part of that program for many years. I think she absolutely deserves to be Big 12 Player of the Year. And part of the reason is because of what Ashley Jones does when she's in a game. It isn't necessarily always about volume shooting or about averaging and scoring what she does. It might just be about forcing a team to have to make some choices defensively because she is in the game. That is the difference maker. When she's not in, Iowa State is very different. But when Ashley Jones is in the game, you have to guard them different. You have to be aware. And because she's got others around her that can shoot the basketball at such a high level from behind the three-point line, that's what makes that team so dangerous. I wouldn't want to see Iowa State in my bracket, and I absolutely don't want to see an Ashley Jones-led Iowa State squad. And so that's why, in my opinion, I think she's the front runner for Big 12 Player of the Year. Not far behind her has to be super senior Maddie Williams of Oklahoma. She is sixth in scoring, and she's one of the top scorers and rebounders in the Big 12 this season, and really has been one of the key factors for Jenny Baranchek's team this season. She does so many things on the floor. She has been been an undersized post, but this year has been able to play a little bit more on the perimeter. She's got three-point range. She can put it on the floor and attack and get downhill. She's been great at the free throw line, and she's a tenacious rebounder on both ends. If you're going to play for Jenny Baranchek in that system, you've got to be willing to rebound, and Maddie Williams absolutely does that. You complement her with Ani Yunusa and Taylor Robertson, the all-time, one of the best three-point shooter in NCAA women's basketball history. That's a huge compliment. Also, with other great players around her and Maddie Williams, I think she's probably going to be coming right up there with Ashley Jones as an opportunity to be named Big 12 Player of the Year. A lot of people ask about Defensive Player of the Year. Well, for me, that's really a no-brainer. And I like Tiana Jackson from Kansas. She is the top rebounder in this league. She is the top shot blocker, and she's a game changer. She is a rim protector. But you also saw in that Oklahoma game yesterday on Sunday how important it is for her to be in the game because. 
it changes how teams attack Kansas. When she is in there, when she is camped out in that post, she moves her feet well. When she can stay out of foul trouble, she is a game changer for the Jayhawks. I believe she'll be one of the top names for Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. And a lot of folks ask about Rory Harmon, and I think Rory Harmon of Texas is the engine that gets that Longhorn team up and running and makes them go each and every night. Without Rory Harmon, that team was not as good. With Rory Harmon, they are very good. And that is why they are starting to peak at the right time. That is why they are making the adjustments that they have made. And Vic Schaefer knows that she really is the brains and at, out at that quarterback position at, at, at the point guard, she is what makes Texas who they are. She's tops and assists in the Big 12 right now, second in steals. She absolutely is one of the best players in this league. And a big question always is about freshman of the year. And so the freshman of the year is a tough conversation because you have to look at the numbers. Not all of them are going to be fantastic, but I believe that the young lady that was actually selected as the preseason freshman of the year is probably going to be the one that takes this home. And that is Dariana Littlepage Bugs. She has had an outstanding freshman campaign for Nikki Collin at Baylor. I saw her in person a week ago and she's a physical talent with a ton of tools on the floor. She could rebound. She can post you up. She's not afraid of that mid-range jumper and she will work on the backboard and that's exactly what you want to see out of a freshman the numbers have been up and down but she's been cleaning up in big 12 freshman of the week honors all season long and i foresee her being named big 12 freshman of the year now we go to coach of the year and i think this is always one of those sort of dicey conversations because a lot of people assume well if you win your league then you'll be named big coach of the year in your league. That always isn't in the case. A year ago, Brandon Schneider from Kansas, who got his team back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2013, he was named the 21-22 Big 12 coach of the year. This season, I think you have to also think about J.C. Hoyt being in the running for Big 12 coach of the year. This Oklahoma State team, a new her first year, a lot of new faces, a new culture, a reset of their program, and she's absolutely making it happen. Putting them in position to get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2021. They're nine and five in Big 12, 19 and seven overall opportunities ahead of them where they can't get tripped up. They continue to receive votes in the AP poll. They, along with Texas and Oklahoma and Iowa State, the three teams that are ranked Oklahoma State receiving votes. I think they have to be in the mix. But you can't also not look at, I believe, Jenny Baranchek and the job that she continues to do at Oklahoma. A year ago, just completely retooling and resetting this Oklahoma program. And they put themselves back in the NCAA tournament with a new style and a new system and a new energy for Sooner women's basketball. And that has carried over. How lucky has she been? And she will tell you this, said it at the beginning of the season, to be able to have Ana Yunusa, Maddie Williams, and Taylor Robertson back. But you pair them with other great talent on the floor and I think just a freedom of the system for this Oklahoma team, second in the nation in scoring. I love the job that she's done there. I think she's finding and recruiting players that fit exactly into the system that they want. This is an Oklahoma program that is going to be 
one to reckon with for many years to come, even as they make that move to the SEC. Might be more difficult, might have to change what they do with their recruiting focus, but I think Oklahoma this year and next with Jenny Baranchik at the helm, they will continue to vie them. They will always be vying for a Big 12 title. I think she has to be in the running for Big 12 Coach of the Year. So there's a lot of games left on the docket, as we said. You don't want to miss any of them in the Big 12. They've got two weeks left of the regular season. Some that stand out. We mentioned Baylor at TCU on Wednesday the 22nd. And then you've got Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Games where people cannot trip. Kansas, they control their own destiny. They've got to get back on track. Can they do that on the 22nd against Kansas State in Manhattan? You move to the weekend, Saturday, February 25th. That's the big one, Texas at Oklahoma. And then on Sunday, it's Oklahoma State at Kansas. Again, two teams controlling their own destiny. They don't want to be on the bubble. You want to be able to give yourself sure footing those will be big matchups. You move to the end, and I think that's where it becomes incredibly important. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Texas would be at Kansas State on Saturday, March 4th. Both of those games could absolutely decide the regular season Big 12 title. As it looks today, it doesn't seem as though Baylor will win 13 in a row regular season titles. They will be unseated. There will be a new Big 12 regular season champion. And then they move to Kansas City to see who might be able to get that automatic qualifier. But as we know, this is an incredibly strong league, great players, great coaches, and it has been fun to watch all season long. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and for listening today. You can find me at Missy Heydrich on Twitter and all of my amazing colleagues by following us at thenexthoops.com and this podcast at Locked On Women's Basketball. Join me here on Mondays to talk all things college hoops and then come back every day this week for more episodes. We've got more college basketball news and notes, everything going on the WNBA. You can get draft previews as well on the weekends. It is fantastic. And any breaking news, we've got you covered right here on Locked On Women's Basketball. Thank you for making us your first listen today. Now, for your second listen, make game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game-to-Game NBA covers every game from across your local area with analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game-to-Game NBA on the Locked On Network, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today. Stay tuned. The college basketball season, we're coming to the end of the regular season, and then it's the postseason time. March Madness is almost upon us. Get ready, but don't miss out the last two weeks of the Big 12. You're going to love what you see. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.